Today's story is something right out of a horror movie script. And most of us true crime lovers love horror movies. The thrill, the way our hearts race, but we know that they aren't real. When you listen to today's true crime story, imagine the horrors of being a part of this real life story. Hi, true crime fans. You're tuning into Coffee, Murder, and Mystery, a true crime podcast where we discuss murder, mystery, and the supernatural. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Melissa Lancaster. Unfortunately, I can't find any information on the upbringing of Raphael McLeod. But I imagine the 33-year-old had a troubling life. Although I can't find specifics regarding his run-ins with the police, it has been said that he did, in fact, have numerous run-ins with the police. It seems they knew the 33-year-old pretty well. In 2015, Raphael's evil would rear its ugly head, and oh my, was it ugly. Authorities believe that Raphael McLeod may have known Sharon Wilson. It's possible that he had done some gardening work for her in the past, but no one really knows if he did. No one really knows why Raphael decided to start watching Sharon Wilson in 2015. He watched her for at least a whole day while she happily entertained friends at her home on a beautiful Mississippi day in June. He watched her and waited until everyone was gone and Sharon was tired and alone from a happy day with her friends. Raphael waited until he felt safe stalking around the outside of the 69-year-old woman's house looking for her spare key. Sharon Wilson was just a mother living her life, possibly even a grandmother. But Raphael entered into her home quietly, attacking Sharon, tying her up, and sexually assaulting her, before forcing her into her own vehicle, where they would drive to Coon Memorial Hospital. Coon Memorial Hospital started out as a city hospital in 1832. The hospital was put in place because of a smallpox outbreak in the area. The hospital served the wounded in the Civil War and would see many deaths due to yellow fever in 1878. Over the years, the hospital's history included a mysterious fire that burnt down a specially built annex for Confederate veterans, and it also served as the first medical school for the University of Mississippi. After over a century of medical care, Coon Memorial Hospital would close its doors in 1989. With a history like that, it's not surprising to hear that the hospital is listed as one of the most haunted places in Mississippi. It's a hot spot for ghost hunters, and onlyinyourstate.com even has an article titled this creepy hospital in Mississippi will give you nightmares in reference to Coon. But the last 30 years hadn't been kind to the building. 
The place that had once provided medical care brought life into the world and in exchange would also be a place that life left this world stood largely dilapidated in 2015. If you look up pictures of the building, you'll see that it appears that pieces of the building might be being reclaimed by nature. There are numerous vines and vegetation growing along the walls of the exterior of the building, and part of the ceiling had actually even collapsed on a ghost hunting group prior to 2015. Raphael had forced Sharon to Kuhn Memorial Hospital with him that day. And it was later that day, Raphael was pulled over during a routine traffic stop. He was driving around with his 20-year-old nephew, Akeem. When the police realized the car was stolen and there was a weapon in the car, they decided to do a welfare check on the owner, Sharon Wilson. When she wasn't located, they took both Raphael and Akeem into custody. Akeem was later cleared, and Raphael did confess to killing Sharon. He led police on a wild goose chase for her body. But it would only be a few hours before a team of ghost hunters entered Kuhn, expecting to find something supernatural. To their shock, they found a trail of blood leading down the staircase from the second floor of the hospital. They followed the trail out of the hospital and into the field behind it, making the grim discovery of Sharon Wilson's body. Raphael was held on charges of capital murder, rape, sexual battery, possession of a weapon after a felony, arson, home invasion, and burglary for his crimes. And you would think that this would be the end of the story but surprisingly, it's not. It was March 2016 when Raphael would carry out his plan to escape the jail, and it worked. Armed with a shank, Raphael took a night shift jail employee hostage. He took the employee's uniform pants and jacket and just simply walked out of the jail. He did leave the employee unharmed. Raphael's escape was taken very seriously right away. According to the Vicksburg Post, Captain Sandra Williams stated Sharon Wilson's case is one of the worst that she can remember. Her first thought when she found Raphael had escaped was that they had to find him right away. She believed him to be one of the worst criminals in the Warren County Jail at the time and she felt that if he had the opportunity, he would hurt others. Police advised residents in the area to take in their firearms from their vehicles and to be prepared to protect themselves and their families. A massive eight-day manhunt was launched that included ground searches, canine searches, and helicopter searches. The Warren County Sheriff's deputies the U.S. Marshal Task Force, the Vicksburg Police, the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation, and the State Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks agents were all involved in the search for Raphael. But despite their efforts, Raphael evaded them all. But on March 10th, that evil voice deep inside was nagging at Raphael. 
Raphael saw his opportunity when a father and his little boy were headed into their garage to start their car early in the morning. Raphael entered the garage through an open door and forced the family back into their home. He forced the family, including the mother, into the bathroom where he would hold them hostage for hours. Now imagine this, a man who is being held on murder charges, amongst other horrific charges, is in your home and holding your family hostage. But at some point, and I don't know exactly what point it was for this family, but at some point, you get a chance to call 911. Not once, but twice. Twice during this horrifying ordeal, you call 911, and a problem with the cell provider's equipment causes your 911 call to not be relayed properly because dispatchers don't know where your call is originating from. Imagine thinking help is coming and it's just not. But by an awkward stroke of luck, the family's dog pooped right on the floor. And this really infuriated Raphael. And he ordered the woman of the house to clean up the mess. She went to the family's second bathroom to get supplies. But what she also got was the family's gun. The brave wife and mother shot Raphael McLeod, saving her family. She gave the gun to her husband, who did what we would have all been screaming if this really were just a fictional horror movie, and he shot him some more, killing Raphael McLeod and stopping him from hurting anyone else. Some people actually expressed disappointment that Raphael didn't get to go to trial and spend the rest of his life punished in a prison cell. But I'm personally glad. I think it must have been hard for that family to kill this man and save themselves. They did the right thing for themselves and their child. I do feel for them though, especially their child. I can't imagine how long they must have dealt with the trauma of this incident brought upon their family. I mean, at the very least, I would think it would be years before their child ever slept in a bedroom alone again. I just imagine the night terrors that this family must have faced, and I really hope that they're doing well and that they've been able to move on. They did move to a new home after the incident. And in case you're wondering, this did prompt an investigation as to what went wrong with the 911 system that day. So I can only imagine that those issues have been corrected. Demolition on the hospital was scheduled to start in 2019. I really couldn't find any updates on the demolition, but I assume that since it was a hot spot for illegal activity and a danger to the ghost hunting groups that would frequent it, that it has been demolished. That concludes our episode for today, and I do want to apologize for these short episodes and the lateness of the episode this week. Unfortunately, there have been five deaths in my life since December, and two in my family in just the last two weeks. So, on a positive note, hopefully that will all be over as of now, and I can get a little more focus back into my podcast. 
Thank you, everyone, for listening. Your guys' support means everything to me. And remember, stay safe. Evil people are everywhere. Thanks for tuning in to Coffee, Murder, and Mystery. You can find us on the web at www.coffeemurderandmystery.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a YouTube channel. All references for today's podcast are available in our show notes. If you enjoyed our show, please consider giving us an Apple Podcast five-star rating, sharing our show with your friends, and leaving a review. This helps us by allowing more people to find our show. If you would like to support our show with a financial contribution, please consider joining our Patreon. Joining our Patreon at the $5 level will give you a bonus episode on the second week of the month, as well as a second bonus episode on the fourth week of the month. Or go to buymeacoffee.com for a one-time contribution. We appreciate all of our listeners. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. Thank you so much for listening. The information provided in this podcast is solely of our opinion and based upon research that we have conducted via the internet. If you feel that we have represented something inaccurately or unfairly, you can send us an email at coffeemurdermystery at gmail.com. Thanks for your support.